Welcome to Business Mentorship, Keeping It Real. My name is Trish Tonai, founder and host for the series, where we feature entrepreneurs and enterprise leaders who participate in shareyourstories.online. Today, I have with me Tara Mondau, who is an author, and Tara joins us today from Cambridge, and she's gonna talk about her book, The Little Girl in the Mirror. Welcome. Hi, Trish, how are you? You know, I am really appreciative that you were able to join me today, Tara, because you are one of the first 100 stories that we shared when I first started this series in 2019. So you took the leap of faith and said, sure, I'll share my story, and here we are. So I'm really thrilled right. that you're I able knew, to join us. I, I knew you'd go far, Trish. The day that I met you, it was at one of those uh, sort of a women's empowerment sort of meeting, and uh, you spoke to us at a luncheon. and. Um, I was so impressed with you and with your passion for women in business. So I'm so happy that all these years later, we're still connected. So I'm really happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about Little Girl in the Mirror, because I know it's a tribute to your mom, which I think is a really wonderful thing that you've done as, as an honor uh, to provide her with a little bit of a legacy. So tell us a little bit about the book. What could someone expect? Give us the Coles Notes version, so to speak. Right. So I think it's really um, interesting that you brought up the word legacy. I even saw that in one of the hashtags you used. And I don't think I had set out to create a legacy for her, but it certainly happened um, really naturally and organically. And I think even years after I wrote and published the book, I slowly started to realize that that is what happened, um, which makes it even more special. Um, so the idea really was so my mom passed away, I guess, 11 years ago now. But when I was a little girl, she always told me these stories about her childhood, her very miserable childhood. And she used to always say it was because her and her mom lived with this woman named Mrs. Wren. So in our family and my brother to this day, we still laugh because Mrs. Wren sort of became like the hobgoblin of our family or like the Wicked Witch of the West. <laughs> and we sort of laughed off my mom always talking about this. We called her the babysitter or the lady you lived with. Um, because as a kid, you don't really want to hear sad stories about your mom's childhood. Like there's just something about that that you don't want to take that on. It's some, right. something very negative. I'm sure if we talk to some child psychologist, there's probably something in there. Um, so as a child, you laugh it off or slough it off or say you're exaggerating. And I sort of did that my whole life with my mom. But what I found interesting is that she never let it go. So her whole life, she sort of attributed every uh, hurt, every pain, every bad thing, every bad luck story back to this woman. And so when my mom passed away, as many of us do, I got all kinds of letters and diaries and photographs. Um, from her and as I was looking through her things I found like five pages of yellow lined paper that she had written when she was 39 and really it just said I really want to um, let go of my past I want to move on but first I have to let go of Mrs. Wren and I thought that is fascinating that at 39 years old she still felt the need at least she had understood that this Mrs. Rent had really affected her life and she had to let it go. So I thought this is interesting. So I started writing down the stories that she told me. I started looking through the photographs. I started trying to figure out the timeline. When did you move in with this woman and why? 
And so really the reason why was when she was born in 1950, she was born to an Irish Catholic unwed woman who at the time, there was no way for her to take care of her baby well. She was hard to find a place to live. It was hard to find employment when you had a child and you couldn't find daycare. And besides the fact that it was frowned upon and looked down upon if you had a child um, in 1950 in Ontario, small town Ontario. So what my grandmother did was took her baby back home to Cape Breton and asked her own mother to take care of her child. Five years later, she went back to Cape Breton and said to her five-year-old little girl, I'm your mom, I'm taking you away, we're going to live in a place called Ontario and we're going to live happily ever after. So could you imagine being taken away from the only home you've ever known with a loving family to go off with a basically a stranger to live in a town that you've never been to before? So again, because it was hard to find employment, daycare and all those things, they had to move in with another family and it was the Wren family. So they actually lived there for five whole years and for five years, this Mrs. Wren mentally abused the little girl, made her feel, like my mom said, made her feel ugly, unwanted, unloved. So imagine that this woman would have this power to make this little girl feel like this. But the, the problem with it all was that the little girl felt like her mother wasn't helping her. Her mother didn't take her away from the situation. And I thought, well, that's why she could never let it go. It really wasn't Mrs. Wren that she was so upset with. She didn't acknowledge the fact that it was really her own mother who didn't save her and take her away from this horrible situation. So I thought, oh, maybe what I'll do is I'll just write the whole story out and then maybe in some way kind of like help mom let go of that so she could move on. So that's what happened. And then I was just writing it down. And then one thing led to another and it ended up being a book that got published. So (laughs) You know, what's really fascinating to me, Tara, is that you know, you, you found these wonderful notes um, that your mother had left. And the interesting thing is that you sort of put the pieces of the puzzle together to try to create a story that you could share with a reader. So now that you've published the book so many years later, um, tell us a little bit about some of the comments or the testimonials that you've received from people who have actually read your book. That's right. Well, when you write a book, and that's another whole story, Trish, and I know you know it too, but there's the whole self-publishing book thing. There's getting someone else to publish it. It's a whole conversation. Um, But when you're first starting out for your first book, you don't know a lot and you learn a lot as the years go by. And I ended up being a writer and editor for a few different magazines and taking some courses um, and some marketing. Um, you learn more about marketing and promoting and all that sort of thing. So one thing that's interesting or important when you're publishing a book is to have the testimonials. Um, so my one of my heroes is Sheldon Curry, and he's um, an author and playwright who lives in Cape Breton. And he wrote, um, it's a movie now called Margaret's Museum, but the story comes from a title called um, the Glace Bay Miners Museum. And just by chance, I'd met him at a bed and breakfast in Cape Breton when I was thinking of writing. And we had a chat and it was really through that conversation that he really inspired me to go ahead and put pen to paper and get this story out. So years later, I've actually spent this last year um, re-editing and updating the book. And you know, the hardest thing in the world is to ask somebody for something 
Sure. And uh, but I did. I got the guts, and I asked Sheldon if he wouldn't mind, you know, giving me some praise or a testimonial. And he did instantly. He was it, he turned it around in about a day. And so I'm so proud that for my second edition, on the very top there, there's yes. a testimonial from Sheldon Curry himself. So that meant the world to me. He says, "Little girl in the mirror is a masterful glimpse of history and a loving memoir." Isn't that fantastic? Yeah. You know, it so, makes me so proud. And I have, if you look at my newer edition and you flip over the first page, there's actually a double-sided page full of praise and testimonials just from um, really wonderful Canadian authors that took the time to read my book. And, you know, that's, you can't ask for more um, right. for people that you respect and people that you admire uh, to do that for you. So tell me why you decided to do a second edition to the book. Mm -hmm. Well, like I said, so sometimes you have a passion for doing something and you quickly do it. And, uh, and then later you look back. You know, I think about songwriters. I listen to Waylon Jennings a lot and I listen to a lot of his songs. And I'm like, I wonder if he was still here today. Would he wish that he could have maybe rewritten that one line or that wasn't really grammatically correct. Or, and then I think about all the artists of the world, you know, the painters, the, the dancers, and how often you'd like to go back and maybe update or change your art. Um, but as a self-published author, what's lovely is that you can do that whenever you want. So the worst thing in the world is to read your own book and see a mistake. The one mistake I saw was that I put toast in the toaster. What's wrong with that? Oh, you put bread in the toaster, right. <laughs> so then you have your own file so you can go back and you can certainly edit those. Um, and then as a writer and as an editor, you realize like flow is really important, the beginning, the middle, and the end. And if there's any improvements you can make, why not? Um, right. And then especially because I got all of those extra testimonials, I wanted to have those um, in the book as well. So it takes a while, you know, you still have to have an editor and a formatter and you still have to, you know, upload your work to, um, to Ingram Spark, the distributor and that sort of thing. So it, it does take some work. And then plus I also wanted to republish my ebook. Um, because lots and lots of people, lots of people really enjoy having uh, an ebook. So I did both of those just in the last year. So tell me, have you ever considered an audiobook? Because you know, as a fellow author, you know we're always looking for new and innovative ways to connect with our audience. So has it, as an audiobook, ever been something that you have been thinking of that maybe yes. you would even share the story with your own voice? <laughs> I always laugh at people have said to use, I think I have a horrible book, I would never use my voice, but um, I, one of my closest friends in the whole wide world, her name is Colleen Rushholm, and she's, um, she's certainly a radio personality, and uh, she knew my mom, and so I said to Colleen one day, do you think you would ever want to do, work with me on an audiobook, and she said she'd be honored, so I certainly think that's in the yeah. cards, I know audiobooks are really taking off, um, especially for people who are you know, still on the road and, and want to be entertained and then the audiobook is the best way to do that. So it's definitely something I would consider probably in the near future. So do you have any other uh, books in the works that you think that you might like to bring to the forefront now that you've gained all this wonderful experience with your first book? Yes. So this book was written and published in 2016. And everyone that's read it said, oh my God, what happened after? What happened to Kathy? What happened to Rita? And uh, it, I don't know why it took me so long to finally get to the place where I knew there was a sequel. 
but I'm happy to uh, announce that I'm there now. I've actually written the first three chapters. Um, I know, so it's basically 20 years later and it's the story told through the eyes of Kathy's little girl, which happens to be me. Um, so for the readers who really wanted me to tie up those loose ends and give them those answers to the questions that they had asked, it's a way for me to bring Kathy and Rita back to continue their story through the eyes of a different type of little girl. And it's more, it's a little lighter, it's a little funnier um, because I'm, that's my personality and I'm telling the story. Sure. Um, sure. But I think it's really going to help readers sort of have closure um, to Kathy's story. So tell me, what's this book going to be called? Can I say? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> um, I'll say the working title is uh, Me and My Shadow. And oh, I, think, I love it. I know. There's a few different oh, reasons. I, and I think it's like I lived with the shadow of my mother's childhood. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, like she has the shadows in her past that she's always had to deal with. And her mother, Rita, has shadows. And don't we all? Don't we all oh, have yeah. shadows of, of pain, shadows of hurt um, that we all deal with on a regular basis, you know? And, sure. and I think being able to acknowledge that we do have those shadows in our past and then try to figure out the best way to deal with them, I think for me, I realized the best way to deal with any of that hurt from the past is you have to acknowledge it, forgive it, and move on. And I right. think that's really the message behind all of my writing. Well, one of the things that we do in, uh, I, I want to be the first, obviously, to congratulate you on the sequel. That's really fantastic. Thank and you. one of the things that we do in the guest blog is we share three words of advice. So your three words were faith, courage, and enthusiasm. <laughs> So tell us why you chose those words at the end of your story. <laughs> so funny. It's because, and I, I, my brother will be like, that's not how we remember it. But I think what happened was, as much as my mom, you know, in a lot of her lifetime was a little sad about things, she was also very silly. And she just really made us laugh. And I don't know if it's not from the movie Meatballs or something that Bill Murray said. It, it's sort of, maybe I'm wrong, but it's something like faith courage and enthusiasm. So my mom used to say it like that. And so whenever Ronnie, my brother and I needed a pep talk, that's kind of all she would say. And she would, the enthusiasm, she'd actually say that a bit longer and a bit louder, and then we would laugh. So I just, I love that because um, wherever she got it from, whether it was from that movie or Bill Murray or whatever, she stood by that faith, courage, and enthusiasm. So that's where well, that's from. really wonderful. That's really fantastic, Tara. You know, not only have you done a really wonderful thing by providing a book with your mother's legacy, but you've really given us the three words of advice that we can use to kind of uh, give us a little bit of a lift. And I really love the fond memories that you have of your mom. So thank you so much for joining us and sharing you, your story. Trish. It's been fun. So to everyone in our viewing and listening audience, I want to thank you so much for joining us and introducing you today to the person behind the logo. And we certainly look forward to seeing the sequel to Tara's book. And thank you so much for joining us.